Good morning. Glad to see you here. Glad to see you uh, online and in the video overflows. Uh, my name is Bill. I'm one of the pastors. And I have to tell you, ignorance is bliss. It really is. When my daughter, Kate, was five years old, it was her birthday. And when you're five, the world revolves around your birthday. After waiting 364 days for her birthday, my daughter, Kate, went outside to play. The sun was out, blue skies, grass on the ground. The birds were flying around. Her blonde hair was catching the sunlight. And my wife and I looked at her running around carefree. <sighs> I put my arm around her and we walked into the house and we said, this is the life. And then 30 seconds later, our beautiful blonde-haired girl came in going, what? What's the matter, honey? What's the matter? Tragedy had struck. And she said, oh, I wish the bees had a calendar. Then they would know it's my birthday. <laughs> a bee bit my bottom on my birthday. <laughs> At the age of five, Kate knew that pain is inevitable. There's no escaping suffering. And either you have faced suffering or you will face suffering. <laughs> you know, there are really bad things in the world like paper cuts. I hate paper cuts. And the man flu. There's nothing worse than the man flu. Right, men? Right, men? <laughs> There's nothing worse. And when Deliveroo gives you the wrong order or they forget your order, life is tough. <laughs> Those are Dubai problems, huh? And we can laugh at them, but no one laughs when that family member that you love so much gets diagnosed with a terminal illness. Nobody laughs when the loved one so close to us dies. Nobody smiles when your hearts are ripped out of our chest with deception and trust is destroyed. Suffering is inevitable. Whether it's mass suffering, whether it's individual suffering, whether it's small or great. The reality of this broken world is that there's pain. And you've come here today and you have faced pain, great and small. That doctor's appointment that you just had and you thought there was nothing to worry about, but they said it's cancer. That heartbreak that you thought that relationship was going to work out and it didn't. That job that you have been searching for again and again and again and again and you still have nothing. The truth is that we all need comfort. And we're going to talk today about God's promise of comfort because we all need that. But also, sometimes it hurts worse when the people that we love are suffering. It hurts worse than if we ourselves were suffering. I wish that I could get a bee sting on my birthday. 
It hurts when our family members are hours and hours and several plane rides away and they're diagnosed with dementia. Or we found out that there's a tragedy back home and we feel like there's nothing we can do to help. Or even our neighbor next door who has lost a child or a loved one. And we know that our words just don't cut it. We're going to talk today. We're going to answer two questions. We're going to learn how we can find comfort, but also our first question that we're going to talk today is how do we comfort others? When someone is face-to-face with reality, how do we really comfort others? Let's pray before we get into God's word. Father, we pray as we get into 2 Corinthians, as we get into what you have to say about comfort, shape our hearts, change us, help us to walk out today differently than when we came in. Bring to mind things that we need comfort from. Father, show us the pain in the world for your glory that you can provide healing and restoration for. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name, through the Spirit. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be in the book of 2 Corinthians. A guy named Paul wrote it about 55 AD. And Paul writes several letters to this group in Corinth. He writes them letters. The, the first letter is, is quite stern. He, it's a corrective letter. And they actually respond and they are corrected uh, by what he has to say. And, and then all of a sudden they, they kind of start to murmur about following Paul's leadership. They're like, Paul, bro, lots of bad things happen to you. You ever have that friend that every time they call, you're like, what is it now? <laughs> you lost your job. You lost your cat. <laughs> you, you have a paper cut, whatever it is. <laughs> and, well, Paul was that guy. A bunch of bad stuff was happening to Paul over and over and over again. And the people looked at him and were like, Paul, a bunch of bad stuff always happens to you. It seems like you always get the short end of the stick. When you're here in person, we're not really impressed with you. You're not a, a very robust speaker. As a leader, we, you're kind of mid. We don't know if we can follow you. And Paul writes back to them and says, hey, not, not only can you follow me, but let me address when life goes upside down. Let me address suffering. And so 2 Corinthians is all about human suffering and Jesus and where those two roads intersect. So Paul begins his letter in 2 Corinthians, and he talks in 2 Corinthians about Uh, comfort and about suffering. He says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it's, it's actually for your comfort and salvation. And, and if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, 
you will also share in our comfort. You know, when we read the Bible, we look for words that are repeated, all right? So turn to the person next to you, based on the words that are repeated, turn to the person next to you and just take a guess at what you think this passage is about. And if you're online, just type in the comment section what you think this is about, all right? Turn to the person next to you or type in the comment section what you think it's about. Go. All right, Bible scholars, online and in person, Bible scholars, what is this passage about? It's about comfort. That's right. Well done. Y'all are geniuses. That's right. It's about comfort. Comfort. Uh, the comfort, the word comfort is repeated all throughout the New Testament. Uh, it's actually uh, two Greek words. Uh, it, it, the Greek word is uh, parakaluo, and para means alongside of. Kaluo is to urge or to command or to, to call. Uh, and so parakaluo is to encourage someone to make a strong request or to, to lift someone, to lift someone's spirit. Think with me an image of someone who is just so brokenhearted that they, they can't even move. And they're just, they're just weeping, they're mourning, they're, they're suffering, and they can't even move. Have you been there before, by the way? Where, where you, don't even, you don't even know what the next step is, let alone what path to take. You see, parakaluo is, is God's comfort to come alongside of loved ones, to lift them up, to take just one step of faith and trust in him. Paraclu, the paraclete, God's comforter, the spirit that comes alongside to lift us up so that even though we don't know what path we're on or which way is up, we know and are supported to take that one step. Comfort is repeated 31 times in the New Testament. Uh, Paul himself uses comfort 25 times. So of the 31 times, Paul uses it 25. He could teach a master class on comfort. You're watching YouTube and an ad pops up and Paul would say, hey, everybody needs comfort. <laughs> Sign up for my master class today. He could teach the master class on comfort. 17 of those times Paul uses comfort are in the book of 2 Corinthians and 10 times. So a third of all the times it appears in the New Testament, it appears in these 11 verses. This is like the comfort passage of comfort passages. It's like the comfort food of comfort food. Do you have comfort food that you like? Yeah. Like bread ice cream. Oh man, cake. I love cake. Oh yeah. Oh, in fact, in the comment section online, just type out your comfort food. If you have a bad day, what really brings you comfort? For me, if I have a bad day and I go to my wife, hey honey, what's, uh, what are your plans for dinner? If she says nothing, oh, Pizza Hut is on. <laughs> and if it's a really bad day, Baskin-Robbins is going to follow. There's nothing like pizza and ice cream <laughs> facing a bad day because there's really two things involved in God's promise of comfort. There's, there's comfort, but also there's another word repeated in the passage. Did you, did you see what word that is? Look at the passage again and see if you, can, if you can find out what it is. Turn to the person next to you 
Just look for the circles, by the way. <laughs> right? Affliction. Affliction and suffering. If, if, raise your hand if you've been in a hard spot and you like comfort. Just raise your hand if you like comfort. It's not a trick question. Yeah. In the chat section online, type in, yes, I do. I like comfort. Notice I didn't say raise your hand if you like suffering and affliction. Because you're crazy if you do, right? Right, and we talked last week, Pastor Barak talked to us about persecution, which is harm uh, because of our faith in Jesus. Today, we're just talking about regular old pain and suffering. All right, so we have to have suffering and comfort. They, they go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. <laughs> you, you, a little bit of suffering, a little bit of comfort. You get a paper cut, you get a Band-Aid, you're on your way, all right? But a lot of suffering and a lot of comfort. In fact, a lot of times when we're faced with suffering, one of the things we do is we try and compare suffering to see who suffers the most. As if it's not bad enough just to be suffering and to be in pain. You're like, oh, oh, you lost your job. Oh, that's, that's too bad. Well, I lost my nephew. Like, oh, well, you lost your nephew. I lost my child. Oh, you lost a child. And we just, we, we try and minimize other people's comfort. No, pain is pain. Heartbreak is heartbreak. Whether it's small comfort or whether it's small suffering or big suffering, there's small comfort and there's big comfort. In fact, as suffering increases, so does God's comfort. You can't out-suffer God's comfort. It's like sun and sand in Dubai. There's always plenty of it. All right, there's always God's comfort. In fact, the more that you suffer, the more of God's comfort you will experience. So if you want to experience a bunch of God's comfort, guess what? That's right, you'll have a lot of suffering. That's right. And in fact, I talked to my physics friend and he drew this graph that I, I just love, which as comfort increases, so does suffering. But you notice on the graph too, and this is what Paul is saying, how do we comfort others? Well, we comfort others because the more you've suffered, the more you've experienced God's comfort, the more you can comfort others. There's nothing like having someone that's already gone through it to give you hope that God can do it. And so the more you suffer, the more you'll experience God's comfort and the more you can comfort others. And if you haven't been through heartache, if you haven't been through suffering and pain, the dark night of the soul, a broken heart, then this graph makes intellectual sense. But there's nothing like going through it to really Prove to others and yourself and remind yourself to trust God that he can bring you through it. In university, I had a professor named Jerry Sitzer. Jerry wrote a book called A Grace Disguised, a great book. If you're going through suffering right now, I suggest you read it. It's about how the soul grows through loss. And Jerry was one of my mentor for four years, and, and I learned a lot from him. And you see, he knew firsthand about how hard life is. He had a large family and they, they have to drive in two cars to get around. And one night they were driving back from a destination and he had his three kids with him and his mom, his wife, and his daughter were in front of him. 
And then he saw a drunk driver hit the car in front of him, killing his mom, his wife, his daughter instantly. He journeys through loss. And when I talk with people that are going through loss, many times they'll say, you know, I've, I've read this really good book. I don't know if you've heard of it. <laughs> it's called A Grace Disguised. There's nothing like having someone that has gone through it to really show you God's comfort. So if you've gone through something, know that God can use you to comfort others. I think as we search for how to comfort others, it's important for us to know what comfort is not. Because so many times we try and comfort others, and it's really not that comforting. Has that happened to you? Jerry Sitzer taught me a lot about what isn't comforting. Some things that comfort is not. Comfort is not the easing of pain over time because sometimes it still hurts, just like the day it happened. Comfort is not recovery from trauma. As he says in his book, uh, you can recover from a paper cut. You can't recover from an amputation. Life is different. Comfort is not moving someone from pessimism to optimism and say, well, you know what? You see the glass is half empty, but I see the glass is half full. No, sometimes the glass is broken. Comfort is also not a, a trite saying. <laughs> there's, there's plenty of sayings that are very unhelpful, but if you see someone and they're hurting, they're broken, they're on the ground and they cannot move, it doesn't help them. It doesn't provide them that come alongside and let God take you the next step way. When you say, oh, you know, every cloud has a silver lining. When life gives you lemons... Make lemonade. But what if you don't like lemonade? Or you want to take the lemons and throw it at life. <laughs> right? The trite sayings, it's because we don't know what to say. So we think of something like, oh, I got to say something more than like, oh, that's kind of bad. But what do we tell people when it's face to face with reality? When the real world has punched you in the gut and you're just trying to recover. I remember trying to comfort a young couple. They were, had been married for a year. And this young couple at 2.30 in the morning, I rang the doorbell, I rang the do doorbell and they, they answered the door. And their family was in the room. Everyone's eyes were red. And this young couple just doesn't say anything to me and they hand me the body of their newly born and newly deceased baby. As I'm holding the death of what could have been, what words suffice? What can I do, what can I say to really comfort them? Nothing. I can't do anything. No amount of eating, no amount of shopping, no amount of conversations, no amount of words, no songs, nothing can provide comfort 
when the soul just feels utterly tread upon by the reality of life. And so this couple asks that I read Psalm 121. And in this psalm, they were reminded of who God is. Psalm 121, we read it earlier. I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This couple, as I read the verse, I thought the only comfort that God can give is the comfort that God can give. It's nothing that I can do to comfort others because nothing that I can do has any lasting value. But God, at his word, that promise of comfort, that can provide comfort. In fact, at the dedication of their, of their second child, their first child that survived, I remember reading this verse. And as, the, as we read this verse, it was a declaration, an exclamation point to what God's truth says and his promise of comfort. So if you've come here today, know that the best way to comfort others is to provide a comfort only God can give. And that comfort only God can give, we only experience when we suffer. And when we suffer, we, face God, we experience God's comfort and then we can comfort others. Because if we base our comfort on anything other than God, then it's not going to last. Maybe for you it's comfort food. Maybe for others it's retail therapy. That means if you've had a bad day, you shop a lot and spend money. All right, because when life, when life punches you in the face, Jeff Bezos from Amazon doesn't care. He's not going to be there for you. Maybe he does care, but he's not going to be there for you. All right, no amount of burgers or pizza and ice cream or chocolate is really going to last. A lot of the things that we find comfort in do not provide comfort. It's like building comfort like a house of cards. That when the wind of reality comes, it'll blow it all away. Or that shaky situation moves the foundation, it'll come tumbling down. The only rock-solid foundation is found in Jesus, the rock. If it's like a firm foundation, like the Burj Khalifa. You know, the Burj Khalifa has a 3.7 thick a 3.7 meter thick raft that it sits on with huge one and a half thick pylons driven down deep into the sand. It's a firm foundation. I bet you didn't think of that. Everyone goes there and looks up and goes, wow. If you ever see someone looking down going, wow, they're probably an architect or an engineer. <laughs> 
You see, the promise of God's comfort, and if you're holding on to, oh, good, God will comfort me, and you don't know how you can find real comfort. If you don't know the answer to our second question, you haven't found real comfort. How can we find real comfort? Well, Paul tells us. And again, this is from God to Paul to the Corinthians. We see it again. This is from God, experienced by Paul, and he passes it along. Just look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He's going to say, God brought us to the lowest point and then brought us even lower. Look at what Paul says in verse 8. For we do not want you to be unaware, he says, brothers, of the affliction we experience in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Have you been there before? Despair of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. The lowest point possible. But, he says, that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. (laughs) We felt like we had received the sentence of death only to realize that it's God who raises the dead. Do you believe that God raises the dead? Look at God's power continues on. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Did you catch that? The foundation of our comfort? The foundation of our comfort is in a God of resurrection and a God of rescue. Do you know him? Do you know this God of resurrection and rescue? Because if you don't, you can't have real comfort. Only, only when we are at our lowest point and we can't move, the only one that can raise us up from the dead that can rescue us beyond that situation is a God of resurrection and rescue. That's why Paul says, on him we have set our hope. And hope, by the way, is a biblical word. Hope doesn't mean uh, wishful thinking, like I I really hope that there's a sale on pizza tonight. (laughs) No, hope is being confident that even though I can't see it, it will happen. That's hope. Turn to the person next to you and say, on him we have set our hope. Now turn to the uh, person next to you and say it with conviction. On him we have set our hope. Type it in the chat section. On him, this is the God of rescue, remember. The God of rescue that will deliver us. If God can rescue me from myself, he can rescue us from any circumstance or situation. God can rescue us. Amen. If you find yourself caught up in a habit or an addiction, the talons of sin are deep in your heart and you've promised God, I won't do that again. I won't do that again. Know that if you feel like you're stuck, you're not. God is a God of rescue. There is comfort. If you find yourself and you've been searching job after job after job and you're so depressed that you can't even get out of bed, 
and you feel like, God, I am trapped, know that God is a God of rescue. He's delivered us in the past and he'll deliver us again. God is a God of rescue. A lot of times, though, we are so broken that we don't see that. And so that's why we need this reminder, God's promise of comfort. And we have to do three mind shifts. We have to shift our thinking. We have to, first of all, see God's identity clearly. That God's character is first and foremost. That, that who God is does not, that what God does is shaped from who he is. Do you believe he's a God of rescue? Yes, we believe he's a God of rescue. So can he rescue you? Yes. Will he rescue you by alleviating the pain? Maybe not. Maybe, maybe you're praying, God, rescue me from this. Rescue me from this. I have the bank calling and I have so much debt. God, rescue. Get me out of this right now. Or God, the overstay fines on my visa are growing exponentially. God, get me, get me over this, God. You might be praying for God to get you over it or get you around it, but maybe God's going to take you through it Amen. and shape your soul. And that is more comforting than just an alleviation of the problem. So number one, see God's identity clearly. Number two, accept suffering. Accept suffering. If you don't believe that everybody suffers, you haven't suffered. And maybe you're, you come from a church or a background that teaches that, that real followers of Jesus don't suffer. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that in this broken world, we will get cut. We will experience pain. There's references up there if you want to read. References in the chat if you want to read. And this isn't fellowship stance. This is what the Bible says. Accept suffering. Because many times God uses suffering as a platform for his resurrection power. Number three, the third mind shift that we need to make is to understand that our story, my story, your story, our story is for God's glory. Not just so that I think I have a nice and easy life. That God uses our lives to point others to him. It's so his name is made great, not so that I can be important. All right, so understand that our story is for his glory. One of our staff members, Kathleen, she oversees all of our teaching ministries, all of our teachers in green shirts. Uh, Kathleen uh, organizes and, and oversees all that. In 2017, two months after we had hired her, she came into my office and she said, um, the doctors say I have cancer. And she was shaken. She had questions. And we as a church family prayed with her. We walked alongside of her for months as she went through treatments. And we prayed for healing. We prayed for healing. We prayed that God would bring her through this. And we saw God shaping her character. That as she went through after she was done with the treatments and uh, she in 2018, 2019, 2020, we're so grateful to God that there was no sign of cancer. And it was so great. And then in 2021, she comes into my office and says, the cancer is back. 
and it's worse than before. It's gone into the lymph nodes. We believe in a God of rescue. And so we prayed alongside Kathleen, knowing that she was looking to serve God as a mother, as a wife. She was serving God on staff here. She's serving God and and loving him and her times with him. And she went through dark nights of the soul and, and found that she thought suffering was here. She found more suffering and more comfort. And she had a test two weeks ago And the doctors say things look good, and the cancer is gone. Praise God. But the story is even better than that. Because many women have come, other people have come, and they've said, I remember one woman right outside in that entryway. And she came up to me, and and her hands were shaking, and, and she was visibly upset. Her eyes were watering, and... She said, the doctors have just said that I have cancer and I don't know what to do. And then out of the corner of my eye, I saw Kathleen. And I said, I want you to talk to someone. I called Kathleen over. And Kathleen started sharing with her. And it was like they were speaking their own dialect of cancer and suffering and God's comfort. And the words from Kathleen as she is sharing about God's comfort This woman could see that God was putting his arm around her, lifting her up to take the next step of trust. And God has used Kathleen to to now comfort many people with God's comfort. But the story gets even better than that. Because even if God hadn't cleared the cancer from Kathleen's body, she believes in a God of rescue, but also a God of resurrection. Our God is one of resurrection. And so if you face a circumstance where you think that would be great, but, but you know what? Uh, my marriage seems dead. The job market seems dead. My chance at a, at a spouse or relationship, that just seems over. No. But Paul says, on him we have put our hope. The God who has delivered us will deliver us again. And the God who raises the dead. If Jesus can come back to life, that marriage can be resurrected. If Jesus comes back to life, those hopes can be rekindled. As Jesus comes back to life, we can have the hope of new life in him. It may be that God takes you through suffering until you face physical death and you have the eternal hope with him. It could be that God takes you around the situation now. Whatever it is, we have hope in the resurrection of Jesus. And we know that our God specializes in taking dead things and making them alive. Do you believe it? That's in him we have our hope. That's the God of all comfort. So this week as you go out, comfort with God's promise of rescue and resurrection. God's promise of rescue, cry out to God. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, type online, go over here to this corner. If you're here in the main area, talk to somebody and ask questions about Jesus. Because if you don't know Jesus, you don't know comfort. Maybe you do know Jesus and you need to reach out for rescue with other people, other Jesus followers. Reach out to others for help. 
And if you find yourself struggling, hold on to resurrection hope. If it just seems like that situation is dead or the the chances have evaporated, hold on to a God who raises the dead to life. Our God of resurrection hope. And lastly, if God has brought you through a season of suffering and comfort, don't just keep it to yourself, but comfort others. Write out your story, record a voice memo, send it to somebody on WhatsApp this week, because God could use you to answer someone's prayer who doesn't know how to take the next step. You can say, I don't know what to tell you, but I know the God who made you, the God who loves you. Through Jesus I know the God of all comfort. Let me introduce you to him. We love and are loved by the God of all comfort. May we experience his comfort this week in the midst of our sufferings. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this reminder in your word that you are the God of all comfort. And so God, I pray right now, For anyone who has just crawled out of bed and is asking you for rescue from a circumstance, Father, I pray that you would take them over it, you would take them around it, you would take them through it. Whatever rescue looks like in your will, Father, whatever brings you the most glory, I ask you would rescue in Jesus' name. Give hope to the hopeless. Give peace to the sleepless nights. Remind us that you are a God who brings the dead to life. For those of us facing situations where it just seems impossible, we've given up hope, we've stopped praying, remind us that all things are possible. Father, that you have given us the hope of new life in Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray all these things. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're going to sing our closing song. We're going to sing our closing song. And this closing song might